We're so glad you're here today. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us as well. I know we've got a lot of families traveling today for fall break. And I'm one of those old people now that complains that says, when I was their age, we had no such thing as fall break. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. And now it went from a three-day weekend to a four-day weekend to like five days or something. And uh, so hope you're having fun if you're watching online. If you don't mind, drop a comment below. Let us know where you're watching from. And if you've got a great fall break picture, go ahead and post that as well. I was talking to uh, one of our greeters just a few minutes ago, and she said to tell Pastor Chuck that the Alabama loss yesterday was part of his birthday gift. And so... uh, (laughs) I thought uh, Miss Carol had a, a good word there. But we're so glad you're here today. We uh, started just a simple two-part teaching last week called Hold Firm. And I don't know about you, but it seems like everything in our world is shifting and changing. And every time you wake up, it seems like something is different and something is new. And sometimes you just want something to stay the same. Are you tracking with me? You want something that you can hold on to, something that you can build your life on, something that you can connect your life to. And so we took a little letter in the New Testament called 2 John. And when I say little, it is little. In my Bible, it's just part of a page. It's not very long. It was short enough that it was probably on one piece of parchment when uh, when John wrote it. It's almost like a text message or it's more like an email or a postcard. And he writes to a church and he writes to a lady and her family and he talks about something to hold firm to. And so last week, Pastor Chuck kicked that off and did a fantastic job. Next week, I'm really excited that we're going to be actually talking about immeasurably more for the remainder of October. And if there's ever been a great time to invite a friend, uh, somebody that's been interested, and they maybe have never been before, next week is going to be incredible. And the rest of the month, we've got some cool things that we'll get to celebrate. But if you have your Bibles, find Second John. Second John, if you have a Bible app, you can follow along as well, and we'll have it on the screens. But this little letter is a letter that's written to these, this handful of believers, and John's writing from this fatherly perspective. John's writing from this perspective of, I care about you, I love you, I want to see God's best for you. And he writes this letter in such a way that helps them to hold firm. Listen to what he says. In fact, if you're able to, I'd love to invite you to stand with me for a moment as we read a few of these verses together in honor of God's word. But here's what he says in 2 John, starting in verse 1. He says, this letter is from John the elder. They would have known him. This is not their first time to interact with him. They they know him. He's got this pastor's heart, this fatherly heart. And he says, I'm writing to the chosen lady and to her children. And Pastor Chuck talked about that last week, where some people think that's an actual family that he's writing to. Some people think that's a metaphor for the church, but he's writing to these believers that he knows and he cares about and he loves so well. He says, I'm writing to the chosen lady and to her church whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth, because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. Verse three. Grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in the truth. Verse 4, how happy I was to meet some of your children and to find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment but one we have from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for our pastor. We honor him on his birthday today. 
We thank you for a time of celebration and worship, but we thank you for your word that you give us a foundation for our life. I pray that you'd help us to download it into our hearts today and that we'd be different because we spent time with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've got a confession to make today. Uh, everybody likes certain shows. Some people like Brainiac shows. Some of y'all watch Jeopardy every day. Any Jeopardy watchers in here? Some of you are really bright. Uh, one of my guilty confessions is that I love Judge Judy. Anybody else there with me? It's a little nostalgic for me. I grew up uh, going to my grandparents' house. My grandparents, when I was real little, lived about 15, 20 minutes from us. And so I spent a lot of weekends there. And we did two things at my grandparents' house. One is we ate a lot. Did you do that at your grandparents' house growing up? I'm telling you, the whole day revolved around what you're going to eat. My granddad was one of those early risers. He'd get up at 5 or 5.30 at the latest every day. And as a kid, I would sleep in as long as I could, but I would always get woken up by him sort of peeking in the guest room. You know what I'm talking about? He'd wake up, he'd read his newspaper. He couldn't wait for us to get up. So he'd start peeking in, peeking in, peeking in. And then when I got up, man, he, he didn't cook a lot of food, but he could cook a mean breakfast. And I'm talking scrambled eggs. I'm talking grits. Uh, uh, cornbread, not the cake sweet kind, but true like no flavor cornbread, you know what I'm talking about? And he would fry a pound of bacon. And what's crazy about the pound of bacon is he had quadruple bypass surgery when I was a kid. So he wasn't allowed to eat the bacon. So he expected me to eat all the bacon. So every time I'd take a bite, he'd put more on my plate. Every time I'd take a drink of orange juice, he'd top it back off. We, we spent a lot of time eating at my grandparents' house. And then the second thing we did is we would watch all the judge shows on TV. And so I remember watching Judge Wapner. Remember the People's Court? And then later we'd watch Judge Judy. And uh, so that's a guilty obsession of mine as I love those shows. And so I thought everybody loved them until I got married a little over 10 years ago. And I learned from my wife that she does not like them. <laughs> like her blood pressure goes up, but I like all the drama. I like all the sass. I like all the pushback. And one of the things I always think about when it comes to judge shows, and I don't know if this is like real truth, I should ask our own judge, Norm Quadra, about this, but on all those shows, there'd be that time where you'd have to hold up your right hand and they'd say, repeat after me, and it says, I promise to tell the what? The truth, and not just the truth, but the and nothing but the truth. And I sort of feel like that's what John is doing is he's writing to this little house, uh, to this family, to the small gathering of believers, he's writing to them and he talks a lot about the truth. And so today, as we think about what do we hold on to, what do we hold firm to, I just want to come alongside what Pastor Chuck talked about last week and just talk about nothing but the truth. Nothing but the truth. What do we hold on to? What are the things that we hold firm to? And as we think about the truth, there's sort of three reminders that I think all of us need to carry with us, whether you're new to church or whether you've been here a long, long time, that there's three little reminders about the truth. And the first one is this, is we need a foundation of truth in our life. We need a foundation of truth in our life. We need something to build our lives on that's bigger than us. 
something to build our lives on that is longstanding. We need something that's firm enough that you can base your decisions on, whether it's marriage or your job, career, retirement, whether it's how you spend your time. We need something. If we're going to build our lives, if we're going to live lives of intentionality, we need sort of like the stage I'm standing on. We need something that's solid. We need something that's secure. We need something that's not going to change with the shifting times that we live in. We need something that lasts forever. Does that make sense? If we're going to build a meaningful life, if we're going to live the life that God called us to, we need something to base it on. Well, listen to John's reminder as he's writing to these people that know him and know his heart and know that he cares about them. Look back at verse 1 again of John of 2 John. It says, this is the letter that John elect. I'm writing to uh, the chosen lady and to her children whom I love. Look at this phrase in verse 1. In the truth. Listen to verse 2. He says, because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. Look down at verse 3 when he talks about Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in the truth. Verse four, he says, he talks about these children and he says, I find them living according to the truth. So let me ask you a question. If in just four verses, John mentions the truth five times, do you think that's an important theme? Yes. That's a good place to say, yes. Amen. Amen. I like that. Rick is on fire today. That Duncan is extra charged today, isn't it? Amen. Glory, <laughs> glory, hallelujah, right? He talks about the truth five times. He's like the truth, the truth, the truth. He, he talks about you love in the truth. He says, you, you know the truth and, and the truth lives us and you live according to the truth. You live in the truth, according to the truth. Five times he mentions the truth. And so that's a aha moment for all of us today to pause and to say, I need that kind of foundation in my life. A simple definition for truth is truth is reality. Truth is reality. My Mississippi way of saying it is it's what really is real. What is really real? We live in a world of knockoffs. We live in a world of, uh, uh, of cheap imitation kind of things. I, w- I was trying to think about uh, just decisions I've made that I thought were based on truth that turns out they weren't based in truth. Years ago, before the Apple Watch ever came out, I'm a nerdy guy. I was an, uh, I'm an electronics guy. I grew up around just... Uh, uh, computers and all the things. And so I love technology. That's one of my guilty pleasures is I love the latest, greatest technology thing. And so I remember before the Apple Watch came out, I wanted something like that. And so there was a thing called Kickstarter. Have y'all ever bought anything off of Kickstarter? Kickstarter is where somebody comes up with an idea. They say, hey, if, if you guys will fund me, I can make this amazing product. And it could be anything, but it's somebody that's a builder or, or designer that puts it out there. And I don't remember what it was called, but there was a watch that was on Kickstarter that said you can make calls on it. And as a kid, I, I saw the movie Roger Rabbit and I, I thought the Dick Tracy kind of watch and all that stuff. And, and so, that, you know, you can call on it, you can read your text messages on it, you can da-da, and all of this stuff. And I thought, man, that's gonna be amazing. And so I funded this thing for a couple hundred dollars. But, uh, and so then you have to wait. Once they raise their money, you have to wait months, 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 months. And then every Kickstarter I've ever funded, they always are delayed, 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 delayed. Finally, this watch showed up and I opened this thing. And can I just be honest? It was the, the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen. There's probably a more elegant way to say that, but I, have you ever had that moment where you had your expectations? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to be life-changing. And then you get it, and it's like, really? 
Has that ever happened for you? It's sort of like when you're a kid and you bought your first Superman costume. You imagine once I buy this costume and I put it on, I'm gonna look just like Superman. And then you put it on and it's like, no, I'm wearing Superman's pajamas right now, right? It's just, it's a little bit of a letdown, right? Well, so we live in a world that's a lot of letdowns where people have taken this idea of truth and said, well, actually truth doesn't exist. And what is true for you may not be true for me. And so you just, you just find your truth. You just find your truth, stick to your truth and you'll be okay. And your truth could be different from my truth and your truth could be different. Even me calling out the fact that we had Dunkin' coffee in here, there's people in here that are split. How many of you are Dunkin' fans? How many of you are Krispy Kreme fans? Wow. First hour, Krispy Kreme like totally won out. I was like, the believers have spoken. We're divided, right? You, you, there's some people in the room that think Chick-fil-A has the best chicken. There's some people in the room that think Zaxby's has the, same, the best chicken. What do y'all think? How many Chick-fil-A people do we have? How many Zaxby's people do we have? The Christian chicken has won today, everybody. <laughs> there are some things that we can disagree on. There's some things that we can agree to disagree on. But as John's writing, he's saying there is something that is the truth. And that's one of the reasons why we say around here so often is we believe the Bible is a big deal because we believe that this isn't just a normal book. Most books, you read them. This book actually reads you. You know what I'm saying? That there's times in our lives that God uses his word in different ways. We believe it's inspired by God, which means that when the writers wrote these verses down, that God was breathing into them. And so it's not like a normal letter. It's not like a normal book. It's not like the, the book club of the month. But when God breathed out, men and women were inspired throughout scripture to write down the words of God. And so, so these words have power because they have weights on them because they're rooted in God himself. And so what that means is there's times when we read the Bible, the Bible is sort of like a mirror. You begin to read it and you begin to see the gap between who you are and who God called you to be. And that mirror causes you to say, man, something's got to change. Amen. Or sometimes it's more like a hammer where our hearts have become calloused and we've grown cold to some of the sin in our life or cold to the things of God in our life. And so sometimes God will use the, his word like a hammer to chip away at those tough pieces of our life. Sometimes it's like a fire. Sometimes you get into the word of God and it lights this fire inside of you that says, man, I, I, I've got to do something. There's something I'm meant to do. There's something I'm called to do. I'm going to live that out. Sometimes it's like a pillow where you're going through a hard season of your life and you're tossing and turning and you begin to rest in God's word. And so that's the reason why we talk so much about the Bible. That's why we preach from the Bible. We talk from the Bible, we quote from the Bible. It's because we believe it's truth. It's something you can build your life on. But truth isn't just a book, it's also a person, isn't it? That when Jesus lived on this earth, he said, I am the way and the what? The truth and the life. And so we need a foundation. I told you in our culture, man, there's so many people that, that, that think, well, I, you can just do whatever you want to. There's no such thing as absolute truth. And, and, and in some ways, I get what they're saying. They're like, well, you see it your way, you see it your way. But there is a such thing as truth. Like, what if somebody said today, I just don't believe that gravity is true? Oh, 
okay. Why don't you go to the top of the building, stand on the edge, jump, and tell me, is it true? It'd be like if I took my iPad and I said, you know what? I just don't believe gravity's a thing. I just don't believe gravity's a thing. I just don't believe gravity's a thing. And then I'm like, I actually took it out before I did that. <laughs> Some of you are like, oop, <laughs> that's, uh, I hope you had Apple Care. And I don't mean to make light of this big topic, but what I am saying is some things just are true, right? And so the reminder number one for all of us, if we're gonna hold firm, number one, we need a foundation of truth. You need something you can build your life on. And I believe a relationship in Jesus with Jesus and the input of the word of God in our life, that becomes our foundation. But the second reminder is not only is there this foundation, but there's also the sense that John's writing about that we need that foundation, but we need to fight for truth. We need to fight for truth. That there's some things that are worth fighting for. And in our culture, when we don't have a foundation of truth, it's easy for us not to think, well, all this other stuff doesn't matter. But listen to what John says as he's writing. And this, these are strong words that John writes. He, he, he says down in verse seven, and we'll come back to this in just a second, but he says in verse seven, I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. It's like a warning that's coming from him. Warning, 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 pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, watch out, watch out. I care about you. I'm writing as a father to, to, to his spiritual kids. Watch out because many deceivers have gone out from this world. And here's what he goes on to say in verse seven, that deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. And so what would happen is people would travel and when they traveled, there weren't Holiday Inn Expresses that they could stay in. There wasn't fancy motels. If there were hotels, oftentimes they were dangerous to stay at. So when early believers would travel, they'd often stay in the homes of other believers. And, and that was great to be hospitable. It was great to be able to host people, but he's warning this lady, he's warning this family, he's warning these believers that there's some people that are coming to stay with you that you shouldn't be friendly to because they act like they know the truth. They say they know the truth, but they're actually teaching something that is deceptive and dangerous. He's saying, you've got to be careful. He says in verse 7, they deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. And here's what he goes on to say at the end of verse 7. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Verse 8, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Verse 9, anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. He's saying, watch out, beware, be diligent, be on guard, remain in the truth. And the reason why he's saying that is because he knows that there's some people that are being deceived. There's some people that are being led astray. And he's saying, this is such an important thing that we need to fight for it. He's saying these people that denied that Jesus came in a physical body, they're not a good person, they're deceivers. 
you're a note taker, that's basically the definition of somebody that's an apostate. An apostate is somebody that denies an essential truth. I mentioned there's some things we can agree to disagree on. We can agree to disagree on is Dunkin' Coffee better than Starbucks coffee. We can agree to disagree on which chicken place has the best chicken. We can agree to disagree on whether or not empanada sold at the racetrack across the street actually count as actual Mexican food. We can agree to disagree on that. I felt risky this last week. I was like, I'm going to try those empanadas. I see them there every week. So, And I lived. I lived to tell about it. We can agree to disagree on a lot of things. But John says, if they don't get Jesus right, they're not getting anything else right. Because when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't come as a spirit. When Jesus came to this earth, he wasn't just a ghost. When Jesus came to this earth, it was literally God putting on flesh. That when Jesus came to this earth, the invisible God became visible. The untouchable God became tangible. He put on flesh and blood. He breathed. He was a real person that was born into this world. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And by the time you get up to the end of his life, where he's run through a sham trial, and he's beaten, abused, and then on that cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he died a physical death that he did not deserve, that you and I deserve. When Jesus died on the cross, he physically died on the cross. He physically was placed in the tomb. He physically came back to life three days later. And the Bible says that he returned to heaven. And one day when you and I get to heaven, we will be able to recognize him. Why? Because he has nail scars still in his hands and his feet. He's saying, you got to get Jesus right. You got to get them right. And so he's saying, you've got to filter what you're hearing. You've got to be on guard. Don't let false doctrine in. There's some things you can agree to disagree on. You can agree to disagree on a lot of things, but you've got to get Jesus right. Amen. And I would just say to all of us, we need to have our filters up. What I found, stats show that is that people that say that they're Christ followers spend one twentieth of the time around Christian teaching than they do everything else in the world. In other words, we're spending about this much time downloading foundational truth and this much time listening to everybody else. And what I've found is over time, our filter wears thin and we begin to believe things because we've heard them so much in the world that we are not able to discern truth from lies. And so it's like John saying, watch out, watch out, beware, beware, be on guard, be on guard. I'd say that to every parent as well. Sometimes I talk to parents that say, well, I just want my kids to be exposed to everything, exposed to everything. And I, I get that sense, I get the heart behind it, but I would say God's called every single one of us, parents included, to be a filter, to be on guard, to say, I want to protect the truth. Did y'all ever play that game telephone when you were a kid? You know what I'm talking about? It'd be fun to do after church when you line everybody up and then you whisper something in the first person's ear, they whisper it into the next ear, they whisper it in the next ear, and then you know how it goes. By the end of the other line, what happens? It's a totally different thing. It's like, you know, ridiculous. Whatever got repeated just got distorted. And John's saying, look, that has happened in the church. And so, number one, we need a foundation. We need a foundation we can build our lives on. 
Number two, we need to fight for the truth. We need to stand up for the truth. We need to, to, to take the truth seriously. But the third reminder is that there is actually fruit that is produced from the truth in our life. There's actually fruit that comes from it. Until the first hour, as some of y'all know my story, I grew up most of my formative years in Mississippi. And uh, man, I love, I, I'm a product of the church I grew up in. I absolutely love it. I'm so grateful. But my pastor was one of those people that you could tell he was really getting into a sermon by how loud he would get. You know what I'm talking about? Have you, you know what I'm saying, right? He'd get fired up and he would start sweating. He'd pull out that hanky and wipe it. You know what I'm talking about? He'd take his glasses off, wipe down, put it back away, and he'd get all worked up. And so you got to live for Jesus. But in Mississippi, you don't say Jesus. You say Jesus, right? You got to live for Jesus and you got to live to give him glory. But again, you don't say glory. You say glory, right? You got to give him glory and everybody get worked up. And, and then, then when he would talk about things like truth, truth almost sounded combative. Like if you... Um, if you're a love person, you're not as much about the truth. And if you're a truth person, you're not as much about love. And so sometimes when you preach hard about truth and the truth, the truth, uh, the picture in my mind, and I, I don't think it was my pastor's fault, but the picture in my mind was I had this picture of just being angry at everybody. Like if I stand for the truth, it means I've got to find the biggest Bible I can find and walk around school or walk around my work and just beat people over the head with that, like turn or burn, right? You know what I'm talking about? Do any of y'all have sort of that picture in mind when you think about standing for the truth? But what's interesting is John's writing, he describes what he sees and what he's heard about this group of believers. And they're not off-putting They're not angry. They're not beating everybody over the head. But go back with me to verse four for a second. Look at what he says as he describes this church. He says, how happy I was to meet some of your children and to find them. Here's the phrase that really has just been rattling around in my heart the last week or two. To find them living according to the truth. That's the first fruit that comes out of the truth is you actually begin to live it out. See, I, I grew up thinking, well, as long as I know the truth here, right? If I memorize it, if, I've, if I can figure it out, if I can describe it, maybe, maybe if I just know it in my head, that's enough. But, but what John's saying is actually the fruit of truth is, yeah, you know it, but it's actually the fruit of it is you're, you're living differently because of it. That truth is in your heart and that truth is leaking its way out in your life. And, 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 and you're different today than you were yesterday. And you're different this week than you were last week. And you're different this year than you were last year, because that truth is, is infiltrating your life and it's changing your thought life and it's changing your attitudes and it's changing your, your ambitions, your desires, your passions. That truth applied begins to change us on the inside and that change on the inside begins to leak its way out into everything we do. So for John, truth isn't just facts to know, it's a life to live. And so that's the first part of the fruit is that we would live it out. And so none of us are perfect at this. None of us have it all figured out, but could we say today that I don't just know more, but I'm allowing it to change. I'm doing more, I'm changing the way I live. And then the second fruit He says in verse five, I'm reminding, I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. That's a fruit of truth. And as I was thinking about today, I was thinking about over the last 18 months between 
interactions I've seen in stores and interactions I've seen online and, and all the posts on Facebook and all the debates that are going on, I ask myself this question, do I see this fruit living out? He says, I'm reminding you, dear friends, that we should love one another. Well, who, who should I love? Should I love only Krispy Kreme lovers? Should I love only Chick-fil-A people because the evil Zaxby folks charge me for every extra sauce I get? I'm not bitter. I'm just pointing out the facts here. Uh, should I only love people that like salted caramel cupcakes? Should I love only the people that vote like me, talk like me, look like me? And what John says, no, 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 no. Here's the application of truth. He says, love one another. And, and, and in fact, if there's some people that were there, they were saying, man, that's groundbreaking. That's earth shattering. John goes on to say, love one another. And, and here's what he says in verse five. This is not a new commandment. It's like, you don't need something new. You don't need new truth. You don't need new facts. You need to be reminded of something that's been around for a long, long time that you would love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we've had from the beginning. Verse six, love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. And so his picture of love isn't beating people up. His picture of love isn't going off on social media. His picture of love isn't cutting people off. His, his, his version of love isn't, well, as long as you look like me, talk like me, believe like me, then we're together. No, his picture of love is what Jesus did when he went to the cross. When God loves, God loves the whole world. And when God gives, he gave his only son. And so it's like John is reminding us that every single person we look at is somebody that's made in the image of God. Every single person that has breath in their lungs is somebody that Jesus died for. Every single person we see in the room, every single person you see online, every single person that drives you crazy at the grocery store where they get in the 10 items or less lame with more than 10 items and they pull out an old school check and take forever. That's still somebody we're meant to love. I feel like this is a counseling session for me today. Thanks for, I need to get a clearpathcounseling.org or something, right? Every single person is made in the image of God, which means they have value. Every single person you see is made in the image of God, which means they have value and they're gonna live forever somewhere. And so one of the fruit of truth in our life is that we love the people that God loved, we care about the people that Jesus died for, and we do as best as we can to show them and point them to Jesus. And so if you're looking forward to something to hold on to, if you're looking for something you can build your life on, if you're looking for some stability in the middle of a crazy time, I'd say know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Today, I wanna to pray for two groups of people, and then we've intentionally front-loaded, and what I mean by that is we wanna be able to take this truth and to sing it out today and to worship together before we head out today. But the first group of people I wanna pray for is people that know Jesus. Man, you, you would say, man, I've been saved, I've committed my heart, my life to him. But maybe today God showed you an area of your life where there's been a disconnect between truth and living it out. And that happens for all of us. I think there's seasons where we feel dialed in and then I think there's seasons where we feel like we've drifted astray. 
But if that's you, you know Christ, but maybe there's been some disconnect in the fruit or there's been some disconnect in living it out or protecting it. Maybe today you just take a moment in your head and your heart and say, dear Jesus, would you, would you help me to know you? Jesus, would you help me to download truth into my life? Would you help me to apply that truth in my life? God, would you help me to live it out and love others? Maybe there's some attitude that you just want to confess and say, Jesus, I haven't loved the way that you loved. I haven't served the way that you served. God, would you do some surgery on my heart? No judgment here this morning. I'm, I'm right here with us to say, Jesus, would you do surgery on my heart? But maybe there's some even watching online that would say, I've never put my faith in Jesus. There's never been a moment. I couldn't say, just like we celebrated in baptism, that there's been a moment of, I've said yes to him. I've committed my heart and life to him. There's no magic prayer. It's, it's the heart commitment. But there's something powerful about that moment where we realize that we're separated from God because of our sin, that we deserve hell and separation for all eternity. But the good news is that God sent his own son who lived a perfect sinless life that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for his own sins, he died for my sins, he died for your sins, for the sins of the world. That anyone that would reach out to him and ask for his forgiveness and commit their life to him. For anybody that would receive that gift that he offers us, that he'd wipe away their sins give them a brand new start. If that's never happened for you, I'd encourage you to to express that to him. You can just say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know my sin separates me from you, but I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me save me. Help me to live for you. If you prayed that part of the prayer with me for the first time, I would love either in this room or online for you to drop us a quick note at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com, prayer at sugarhillchurch.com, and let us know that you just say, I prayed with Bobby today. We'd love, we'd absolutely love to be able to send you some free resources to help you in those next steps. But for all of us, Heavenly Father, would you help all of us to know the truth to have a foundation of the truth, that we'd have a filter that protects the truth, and that, Father, we would look like you as we live out the truth, that we'd live it out day after day, and we'd love others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's stand together this morning. We intentionally carved out some time for us to be able to apply this truth and to sing it out. In fact, Pastor Zach, I think this next song actually connects really well to this idea of the love of God.